Well, today I want to teach you a new word. How many of you can speak some Cajun French, kind of fluidly? Raise your hand if you can speak a little Cajun French. Okay, I'm going to teach you a new French word today, but I'm, I'm redneck slash Mexican, okay? So I'm probably going to get it wrong, but just give me some grace, okay? So I'm going to teach you a new word, and the word is, is placasses or plucases. Plucases. You know what that means? That means more than enough. Come on, somebody. I must have got it right. Golly. I mean, I did that through Google, y'all. Come on. I mean, you never know if Google's going to get you right or not. Plukases. It means more than enough. I was going to title the message Lanyap, but Lanyap only means a little bit more. And I couldn't stand here before you honestly and preach a message that God was just a little bit more and then walk out of here with an, with an honest feeling heart. God is not just a little bit more. God is the God of more than enough. Plukases. Amen? He's the God of more than enough. And that's what I want to teach you today is that God is the God of more than enough. All of you came into this service today with a certain perspective of who God is, and you're in a relationship with God based on and determined by your your life experiences, lies you've believed, truth you've believed, or things that you've gone through or what you were taught. But today, I want you to walk out of here with one thing. I want you to walk out of here knowing that God is the God of more than enough. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. I'm going to show you that in Scripture today. Uh, first, I want to give you Philippians chapter 4. This verse has been with me the whole year. Uh, it seems like every counseling session, every message, it plugs in somewhere. It's a very valuable verse, one of my life verses. I would encourage you to memorize it. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It's an anything and everything verse. How many of you know about a little anything and everything? If, if he says this, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Wow. So instead of fussing, whining, crying, and complaining, instead of being boo-day, bummed out, dragging your lip all over the place, worried about everything, biting your fingernails, worried to death, pray. That's what the Bible says. Paul says to pray. Tell God what you need. And then it says this, watch this, and thank him for all that he's done. What did Pastor Josh teach us right after worship? That what's, the, what's the, the, the gate code to the presence of God? Thank you. Thank him for all that he's done. And here's the exchange. When you do that, then you will experience God's peace. This kind of peace exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God's peace, it goes beyond comprehension. It, can, it, it looks like this. You could, you could lose a loved one or you could be going through a serious crisis and the friends around you are watching you because that's what people do. They don't read their Bibles, they read you. Matthew, Matthew Mark, Luke, John, you. They don't read the first four, they read you. They can be reading you and going, they don't seem to be thrown off by this. And, and most of them will probably go, I'm really worried about them. They're not freaking out. They normally, they always freak out. 
I mean, like they always freak out about everything, but they're not freaking out. Oh my God, this must be the big one. And what they don't even know is that all of a sudden you changed one thing in your life instead of worrying, you told God what you needed, thanked him for what he's done, and then in exchange for your worry, he gave you peace. That's all you did. And everybody else around you now is freaking out because you got peace that they can't understand. You see the exchange? You want some of that? Look at your neighbor and say, you need some of that. <clears throat> So go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to show you through the life of Elisha, this story about Elisha and a widow, that God is the God of more than enough. How many of you know we come to God with certain things, certain requests, and we come to him and we expect him to answer those, those prayers, right? How many of you expect God to answer your prayers? Everybody should raise your hand. <laughs> if you don't expect, you don't get Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, God goes beyond just answering your prayer and he goes to more than enough, more than enough. 2 Kings 4, verse 1 to 7, watch this. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, my husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except the flask of olive oil, she replied. And, your and, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she, she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her jars and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, it says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons will live on what is left over. I got six thoughts I want to share with you this morning from this story. The first thought is this. She comes to Elisha, not in her own name. She comes to Elisha in her husband's name. This is very important. She comes to Elisha in her husband's name because her husband had relational equity with Elisha. He, he, he did ministry with Elijah. He'd, he'd spent years with Elijah. They were friends. They had relational equity. His name carried a bit of authority. So instead of coming in her name, she came in his name because she needed an answer to her problem. Are you with me? When you give your life to Jesus and you're born again, you then have the right or the privilege or permission to use Jesus' name to get some stuff done. The Bible will show you many different ways you can use Jesus' name. You can use his name when you go to the Father. So when you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus. If you need to cast out a demon, you cast it out in the name of Jesus. Some guy in the, in the New Testament tried to cast out a demon in the name of Paul. The demon beat him up. <laughs> you might want to go in somebody else's name. <laughs> Amen? So we have the permission to use the name of Jesus when we need things. I'm going to show you this in the scriptures. 
John 14, verse 12 and 14, it says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Wow. So I'm sitting here going... 2019, Ford F-250, <laughs> King Ranch, four-wheel drive, crew cab, massaging seats, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, somebody, you can believe. No. No, no, no. We don't abuse the name of Jesus. You see, when you come in the name of Jesus, you got to come with his name, but you also got to come with his plan. You also got to come with his will. If you're going to use his name, then you got to be aligned with his will at the same time. Now, the reason Jesus didn't put a disclaimer right here is because he knew that once his Holy Spirit got inside of us, it, he, the, the Holy Spirit would begin to change our want to. So instead of asking for a 2019 F-250 crew cab, King Ranch, four-wheel drive, with massaging seats... I'm asking God to send a spouse for my son that is holy, that is righteous, that she ain't jacked up or screwed up. Come on, somebody. She's not cuckoo. If you don't pray for your kid's spouse, you're going to get what you get. Think I'm clowning. Everybody going to start praying. On my prayer list, my kid's spouse. Hey, I pray for him. I don't know their name, don't know what they look like. I'm not even praying that they're pretty. That's just a gimme. That's going to work. But I'm just praying that they're holy. Why? Because I got to spend the rest of my life with these people. He changes your want to, and then you begin to use his name in a proper way. Say Amen. So you've been given permission to use Jesus' name if his Holy Spirit is inside of you and he's changed your will, right? You come in his name, you got to come with his plan. So she comes in the name of her husband whose name carried weight, it carried authority. We have that same permission today. The second thought is this, is that she came to Elisha broken, Many of us think that brokenness is a bad thing. I declare today that brokenness can be a very good thing. Because it's not sometimes until you're broken that God can actually get in and into your life. Come on. Sometimes he'll break you open to get inside of you. She comes to him broken. What does that mean? She comes with, without any solutions to her problem. She comes with no answers. She comes with no preconceived idea of how God could, could do it. Because some of us, let's just get real honest this morning. Some of us come to God and we go, okay, God, you can use option A, option B, or option C. But I got this all figured out, and you need to do it this way or that way. Hello? He's God. You're not. His way is better than your way. Right? She comes broken. I don't have the goods. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not skilled enough to fix my own problem. Brokenness means I have no idea how to fix this. Will you help me? Brokenness is a form of desperation. 
It's coming to God with no preconceived ideas. It's just saying, Lord, they're going to take my kids. Watch what he says. It says, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. You see, in those days, there was no electricity and there was no running water. So if you didn't, if you didn't pay your bills, they, would, they didn't have nothing to cut off. So they would just take your kids and put them in slavery. Some of you are thinking, man, that's not a bad idea. I can keep the electricity on. They're going to bring them back anyway. Stop thinking like that. I, I felt some of you. I'm feeling something this morning. I'm like, can I pawn my kids off for the summer? They would take your sons. She was desperate. I had this thought, why do we always try to figure it out before we go to God? Anybody guilty? We'll spend time, energy, money, resources trying to figure out the, the solution to our problems. And God's sitting there going, <clears throat> and then when we can't figure out, we go, will you help me? Why not go to him first? Right? Why not go to him first? Stop wasting time. Third thought, she offered all that she had. She offered everything that she had. Now, she didn't have much. Elijah says, what can I do to help you? Tell me what you have in your house. This is her response. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Theologians believe the oil that she had was the cheapest form of oil you could get. Think about this. She had one flask of oil, and it was cheap quality oil. She didn't have much. Some of you have been in a place where you didn't have much, and it was poor quality. What you did have wasn't much at all. And I believe that sometimes we spend too much time worrying about what we have or what we don't have when we just need to realize that whatever I got, I'm going to give it to God, and he's going to do his thing. Amen? Because sometimes we can get so focused on what we have or don't have or the quality of what we have that we miss out on everything that God can do. I mean, come on, when you came to Christ, if you came to Christ through a relationship and you're not religious, then you came to him just as you are. Don't make me sing an old hymn on you real quick. We come to Jesus just as we are. We don't dress ourselves up, clean ourselves up, get holy and sanctified, and then say, will you accept me? That's what religion says. Relationship says, I accept you just like you are, and I'm going to get inside your life, and I'm going to change your life. Because you see, when we go to God trying to change everything before we get there, we just made his job harder. Just made his job harder. Because now he's got to take all that off of you, all that self-promotion, all that self-righteousness, and he's got to do his own work in you. Don't spend too much time worrying about what you have or don't have. Whatever you have, whatever condition it's in, offer it up to God and watch what he can do. Amen? Because you got to realize this, there's a vast difference between what we have and what God can do. It doesn't matter what you have, God can do anything. In fact, let me quickly remind you that the planet you're walking on, the air that you're breathing, all came from nothing. The Bible says there was nothing until God spoke it into existence. 
Do you know he's the God who speaks things into existence? <laughs> His words create. Do you know he didn't retire from that? Okay, so we freak out because we can't see the solution. We get all wrecked up because we can't, we can't figure out how God's going to deliver us. And we're all in a panic and we're all worried and we're all anxious because we don't know how God's going to do it. Does it really matter how he does it? Just as long as he does it? When you're broken, you don't care how he does it. Just please do it. She offered everything that she had and it wasn't much. You see, what we have has limitations, but what he can do has no limit. What we have can run out, but what God has never runs out. We can give God what we have, and if we do, he will do what only he can do. Come on, if you'll give him what, whatever you got, he'll do whatever he can do. Amen? We're called just to simply offer it up to him and then step back and watch what he does with it. That's the beauty in all of this. I don't have to do it. He does it. I just offer it to him. Fourth thought. Some things in her needed to die first. And Elijah said to her, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it is filled. God, there's so much in this verse. Why did he tell her to go borrow? I just told you he could have spoke jars into existence, right? God could have said, jars in the cabinet. And she goes home and she's got cabinets full of jars to pour her wine into, right? Could he have done that? Would you agree? Shake your head. Yes. Yes, I agree. He could have done that. But instead he said to borrow. Side note, borrow as many as you can. One translation says, and don't borrow just a few. Anytime God tells you to do something, don't do it halfway. Do it all the way. Very important, do it all the way. Why? Because you don't understand what he's going to do, but he understands. Amen? Why borrow? How do you feel when you have to go borrow something? I'm going to get up in your grits in a minute. How do you feel, not when you want to go borrow something, but when you're in a bind and you have to go borrow something? Come on, you know you don't like it. You know that there's something inside you that says, mm, I'm going to borrow nothing. And you'll be stubborn as a mule. And you'll suffer and you'll suffer and you'll suffer until you finally humble yourself and go borrow it. Right? How many of you are like that? All of you. <laughs> you all raised your hand. You're the most honest service yet today. Why is it so hard to borrow? Because we're prideful. You see, God does this strange thing when we invite him into a situation in our life or a crisis. When God comes in, he doesn't just come in and just do what we ask him to do. He comes in and does more than we even expect him to do. 
God got invited into this woman's circumstance and he got busy doing what God does. She thought her greatest need was a financial need. God said, no, that ain't your greatest need, baby. That's just the need that brought you here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to fix all your needs. He takes her pride away. Borrowed jars equals the death of pride. Then he says this. He says, to close the door, shut the door behind you. Elisha says, Bring your sons, once you've got all the jars, bring your sons into the house. And then the Bible says this very specifically, shut the door behind you. Now, when the Bible puts something kind of mundane like that in the, in the scriptures, when God puts that in the scriptures, you need to pay attention to it because it's there for a reason. Why did he say shut the door? Why, why shut the door? You want, me, you want to know the answer? Because there's some things that God wants to do in your life that only you need to be involved in. Think about this. Elisha says, you, your sons, and your borrowed jars go into the house and shut the door. Okay, God created you just like you are. Because that's who he likes. Some people don't like their face shape. Some people don't like their nose. Some people don't like their ears. I didn't like my hair. Okay. God created you the way he created you because he likes you. It's what he meant to do. So stop being mad because you're short. And start being glad because God loves short people. Stop being mad because you got no hair. And be glad because he gave you a good skull to show off. Come on, my bald-headed people. But he created you this way. Why? Because he likes you this way. Now watch this. He created you this way because he likes you this way because he likes to spend time with you. God created you because he loves you. And he loves you personally. And there's things that he wants to do in your life that nobody else needs to see, hear, or know about. Mm -hmm. God wants to do some stuff in your life that you don't need to tweet, that you don't need to post. Some of you like to predetermine God's miracle in your life. You'll start posting stuff. God's about to move up in my life. Oh, God, I'm about to get me a miracle. Oh, no, no. And it's all about you. Can I tell you, that's got to die too? Because sometimes God will say, shut the door. It's about me and you, bruh. <laughs> Speaking to the men. Because he loves you so much, he wants to be personally intimate with you. This is a huge story. The father died. The sons are about to go into slavery. Mom's freaking out. She's all alone. What do they need right now more than anything? They don't need money. They need a present miracle of God is what they need. They need an absolute experience with God is what they need. God is going to step in in this moment and become the father that, that is now absent. God's going to step in and father this family. And he said, shut the door because you're about to see something happen. 
So I want to give you permission today to have a private, intimate relationship with Jesus that not everybody needs to know about. And when it's done, you'll have plenty to post about. Amen? Amen. Because here's the truth for you. Private moments create public praise. Public praise should always come from private moments with God. How are your private moments with God today? God wanted to do something greater than what she could even imagine. He wanted to do something more than she could even imagine. God's the God of more than enough. So some things in her needed to die. Number five is this. It says she did what she was told. Watch this. How she was told. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. If she'd have had two more jars, jars, the oil would have flowed for two more jars. If she'd have had ten more, it would have flowed for ten more. God's going to fill you up as much as you can contain. Stay open. Amen? Amen. She did what she was told, how she was told. How many of you have kids? How many of you, when you tell them to do something, you tell them how to do it? Yep. And what happens when they don't do it, how you tell them how to do it? <laughs> don't confess that today. That's not, that's not the room. Do that in your life group. <laughs> I'll slap them across the back of the head. <laughs> don't need to know that right now. But when they don't do what you tell them to do, how you tell them to do it, it upsets you, right? Say yes, it upsets you. And what, what do they get? They don't get the full reward when they don't do what you told them to do, how you told them to do it. That's what she did. She did exactly what he said to do. She had what I call absolute obedience. She fully, completely obeyed God, obeyed the prophet's instructions to her. The prophet said, go get as many jars as you can. She went and found as many as she could. He said to go in and fill them up one at a time and place them to the side. I wonder why. Why one at a time? Why she couldn't do like just a mass flow, you know what I'm saying? Like just, just hurry up and get it done. Why did she? Because he wanted her to fill every jar that was filled up. She wanted her sons to grab every jar and place it on the table and watch their mom fill up one jar at a time. Every single jar, he wanted them to touch it. He wanted them to feel it because when God does something, he wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to feel it. He wants you to know it. He wants you to have an experience with him because that's what you need. It's an experience with God. You don't need to just know him here. You need to know him here. Amen? He wants you to feel it. Watch this. He wants your kids to feel it. If our kids would do everything we told them to do, they would be perfect. We wouldn't, but they would. The reality is, is they don't do everything we tell them to do. They don't hear everything that we say. But here's the thing they do catch the most of is what we do. They catch more than we teach them. God said, shut the door. Because this is about us. And y'all going to feel this today. I'm going to do a miracle through your own hands. 
And your kids are going to know that God is the God of more than enough. We don't hide too much from our kids. There's some things that, my, my, of course, my kids are nosy. I think every kid is nosy. Our kids won't be all up in our business. I'm like, you need to back up. <laughs> they hear us fight. <laughs> it happens. They, they know when we're, we're tight financially. They see us make up. They see God provide. What's happening? They're having an experience with God. Amen? It's important. They need to have an experience with God. He filled the jars as long as there was jars to be filled. That means that God has more than enough. Some of you today have been feeling some financial strain. Maybe there's been some financial dryness in your life. I want to share something with you real quick about tithes and offerings, about money. I got a buddy of mine who, who was tithing for many years. He gave tithe, 10% of his income. And one day something happened and he got mad with God. Don't act like you don't get mad with God. He got mad with God and he quit tithing. Just stop. Just stop writing tithe checks. And he thought God was going to come and strike him across the back of the head, send a lightning bolt or do something like that. God didn't do nothing. The only thing that happened was that his money got funny. It dried up. And after a couple of months, he, he come to me and he said, man, I just got to tell you what happened. He said, I got mad with God and I quit tithing. And he said, my money dried up. I said, wow. I said, what'd you do? He said, I started tithing again. <laughs> I said, well, what'd you learn? He said, this is what I learned. Tithing is like a faucet. When you tithe... You open up the faucet, and God's blessings and God's finances flow into your life. When you quit tithing, it closes the faucet. God don't throw a tantrum. He just closes the faucet. You tithe, he opens the faucet. You stop, he closes the faucet. Pretty simple, right? Some of us are struggling because we're not willing to do what this widow did, to do exactly what God told us to do. And that's to give the first 10% of our income. So what's the what? The what is to be generous. God wants every one of us to be generous. The how is to give the first 10% of your income. That's called tithing. The why is because you need it. Nobody's pockets are getting fat around here. I can promise you that much. We don't need you to tithe. You need you to tithe. The generations after you need you to tithe. It's about you. It's about you and God. It's not about us. If you quit tithing, God will drop it out the ceiling. Mosquitoes will deliver it. It's about you. It's about you seeing the hand of God as the provision in your life. Listen to this verse because you, here's the truth. You can live on just enough or you can live on more than enough. It's really up to you. You determine if the faucet's open or not. Malachi 3, verse 8 to 12. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. This is the biggest words in this verse. If you do, underline them circle them, eyebrow them, do whatever you got to do so that when you read this again, you'll get attention to it. 
If you do, it's a conditional promise. This is what God says. If you do this, I do this. If you don't do this, I don't do this. It's a conditional promise. Who determines whether God opens up the floodgates of heaven? Me. You. Not your boss. Not the government. Oh, you ain't hearing me this morning. <laughs> you determine. God will bless everybody around you if you don't watch it just because you're there. He will. If you do, watch this. Here's the, here's the promise on the other side of the condition. If you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You won't have to call yourself blessed. Everybody else is going to call you blessed. Oh, y'all don't want none of that. Y'all just. It's on you. It's on you. You want the faucet open or you want it closed? Dry or wet? Last thought. He is more than enough. God is more than enough. God is plukases. Plukases. He's more than enough. When he told the man, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay off your debts and you and your sons can live on whatever is left over. Wow. In one miracle, God paid off all her debts and gave her enough money for her family to live on. She just wanted her kids not to go into slavery. God said, I'm going to take care of your debt and then I'm going to give you some to live on. We could stop right there and say that God's got the God of more than enough, right? Because not only did he pay the debts, he gave them some extra, some more than enough to live on. But let's, let's take a look at this because here's what you got to understand. You can know God is just enough or you can know God as more than enough. It's really up to you. So let's look at what she got from this experience. What did the widow get from this experience? Number one, she learned the value of being broken before God. She learned the value of being broken. Number two, she watched her pride die. Wow. Her pride died. She learned the value of private moments with God. She learned what a miracle feels like. She exampled the power of absolute obedience to her sons. Even her sons had an experience with God. Number seven, they experienced Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Number eight, she knows how to live in peace now. Oh, and by the way, number nine, her debt was paid. And number 10, she had enough to live on afterwards. So look at me. Don't, don't sit here today and try to tell me that God is not the God of more than enough. 
If you'll open your life and invite him in, he will come in and do more than you can even imagine. Sometimes we get so busy looking at the need and what we think God needs to do that we miss out on everything else that he's done. You can walk out of a miracle thinking, well, God met my need. He paid off my debt and he, he gave me some to live on and not even recognize everything that he did in your life in that moment. It's kind of like salvation. Like when Jesus went to the cross, he died so that we didn't have to pay for our sins, but he did. That was enough. But the Bible says that by his stripes, we're now healed. It also says that by his blood, we're now cleansed. That means when we get sick, we can be healed. That means when, when we fall and we sin, we can be cleansed again. More than enough. Some of you today are here. And if you'd be honest with me, you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm in a relationship with God. I just, I can't say for sure. I don't know if I've ever just given my life to him and accepted what he did for me. And listen to me, that's okay. That's who we want to be here. Because today you can walk out different. And if for some of you, you're here and you're going, you know what, maybe I've been looking at God the wrong way. Maybe because of the way I was raised or the things that I believe, that I always thought God was the God of lightning bolts and punishment. Wow, he's the God who loves me. The God who's more than enough. So would you bow your heads with me today? Close your eyes. Nobody looking around. This is one of those private moments. I want to give you a chance today to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says that today, this day right now, is the day of salvation. That means this. That means that you can be born again today, right here, right now. So that's you, and you don't know if you, if you died today where you would spend eternity. You're not sure about that, and you want to make that decision today. I want you, nobody's looking around. I want you to quickly raise your hand up. Come all over the room. Raise your hands up. Raise them up high. It's a private moment with Jesus. Man, praise God. You can put them down. Now, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I've been seeing God wrong, and I want to know him as the God of more than enough. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to know him as the God of more than enough. Should be hands up all over this room. Praise God. You can put them down. Let's pray over the salvation first. I want you all to pray this with me together. Say, Lord Jesus, we come today realizing that we're lost without you. I'm a sinner, Lord, in need of a Savior. I realize today that you gave your life on the cross to pay a debt for me. Because of that, I don't have to pay that debt. And then God raised you from the dead to sit next to him so that I could be raised from the dead and have new life. So today, Lord, I accept the gift of salvation. I want to be born again.
would you be the Lord of my life? Would you come in and take over? And I would sure like to be a part of your family. Thank you, Lord. Now let me pray over the rest of you. Father, today, we pray that, Lord, as you've, you've shown us through Scripture, through your living word, that you're the God of more than enough. The God who exceeds our expectations. The God who, who does more than we could even know he does. God, help us to be people who see everything that you do. Help us to be people that don't just see the need being met, Lord, but we see the miracles all around us. Pride dying. Self-promotion dying. Private moments coming to life. Passing down relational blessings to the generations coming behind us. God, help us today to know you as the God of more than enough. That there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can't do, Lord. Show us, Lord, that if we'll just live with an open hand and give you whatever we got, you can do whatever you can do. Help us today. We love you, Lord. We bless you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?